Hello and welcome to the Bucket List Gamers podcast. I'm Jay and I'm once again joined by Eddie. Hello. And I'm a little bit more upbeat at the start of this week's episode, although when you find out what the subject <laughs> is, you might wonder why. This week we are looking at three racing games. I'm making the judgment call. We're throwing the third one in there. We've just been debating this. We are looking at Super Mario Kart, which is number 12 in the list from 1992. We're looking at Mario Kart 64, which is 72 in the list and is from 1996. And we are very briefly, and I mean very briefly, looking at Sega Rally, which is 67 and came out in 1994 in the arcade. So, do we want to get Sega Rally out of the way? Because I have a feeling we won't get past two minutes before we finish with that one. No. Uh, yeah, might as well. Give it a go. See what we can say about Sega Rally. I've played it in the arcades. I think that's probably about as much as I can say it looks okay in the arcades not so much on the ports especially not i assume on the what was it that you said it came out for the game by advance game by advance <laughs> which i imagine looks like blobs of color on a screen that's not even lit very well if it's an original game by advance yeah that's very true and the only thing i can say about it is it was definitely a game that's about it really <laughs> I've I've no I'm not a fan of racing games anyway unless it's really gimmicky ones like Mario Kart which will come on to crash team racing that kind of thing realistic racing games I have very little interest in Forza that kind of thing I just the only reason I play them is to unlock more stuff in them because I'm one of those people that enjoys unlocking stuff by playing games. So the only thing that drives me forward to play games like that is to unlock more cars or more content for cars. The actual racing bit, I don't enjoy it all. I just do it for the bit at the end when it says, oh, you've unlocked so-and-so and then I can go and swap a car out. So yeah, I'd, Sega Rally is just one of those games that you... I feel like when we were kids, it was in every arcade because it had the big seats in it like the bucket yeah. seats from what i remember and it was it was a showpiece wasn't it so i think a lot of arcades got it in because it looked like a big thing to draw you in it had the two, were they two players or four players i think they were twos weren't they i think it was twos and you had the big bucket seats and did they have the the gear shift levers as well was that the sega rally th- on i think so and then they had the steering wheels and they had the little paddles down underneath mm. Um, it's essentially what Mario Kart's become in arcades, because yeah. that, that is a thing that draws people in now, because it's yeah, just a big thing that you can sit in and pretend that you're driving an actual Mario Kart. So yeah, I have played it in the arcades, just because it's one of those things, it's, it draws your eye, and compared to just a standard control stick and buttons, it was something a bit different, so... I'll have chucked a few 50p's in it just to have a go at it, and I wouldn't have been any good at it, but that's that would have been how it went, and yeah, probably could have put those 50p's to better use in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles machine or something that I would have actually enjoyed, but yeah, it, it was one of those that I think one, one of the other games on the list, which is an arcade racing game, is Outrun, and I would have always picked that in the arcade because in the arcade near us, I don't know if you ever went to Namco Land in Meadowall, no. But they they had a full size Cadillac car with a a huge screen that sort of hugged round the front seat. So when you were in the game, you were almost surrounded by the whole screen. So, but it, it was bloody expensive because it took up half the arcade. So they had to make it expensive to try and recoup the money on it. But you could literally get five people in it 
you could sit the back seats and the passenger seat and the the driver seat and one person obviously drives but you all sort of got to experience it at the same time so if i was ever going to play a racing game in an arcade i'd go for that one rather than this so even more detrimental to to sega rally which i think outrun make uh, sega make outrun as well don't they so Yes, can cannibalize their own market a bit with uh, <laughs> releasing two games that are practically the same in an arcade. But I suppose Outrun is quite different because it's it's just ongoing, isn't it? Outrun does it not just go forever as long as you keep it in checkpoints? Yeah, I think so. Where, whereas this is like actual lap racing, isn't it? So yeah, it's. I wouldn't ever buy it. I wouldn't ever play it like on a virtual console or anything because I just there's better racing games out there now. If I really did want to. Gran Turismo 3 is probably the only one I've got a lot of enjoyment out of. And again, that's because I just enjoyed doing the license trials. I didn't enjoy the races, but I enjoyed doing the ones where it's like drift for 12 seconds and finish finish the race in 30 seconds and stuff like that. And I enjoy doing those little challenges, but no, racing isn't for me. So Sega Rally was never going to get a good score from me. And I mean, looking at the pictures here in the magazine... The ports just look like arse. Yeah. <laughs> they were probably good for the time, but yeah, it, it, it's so grainy. I think that's the thing that gets me. Everything in it is grainy. It all looks like it's made up of grit. <laughs> I think genuinely the only driving game I've ever got into that isn't, like you say, sort of has a token quirk or something like that with it, like Mario Kart, was Split Second. And I suppose that did have its own little quirk to it which was designed by Disney of all companies, which morally bankrupt as they are, <laughs> you, you wouldn't expect something with that amount of imagination to have come out of them in terms of a video game. But it was um, it was all set. You, it was track racing, but you got like speed points and stuff like that. And you could trigger landslides and you could collapse like a cooling tower onto your opponents. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you, there was one that was um, a track around the docks. Um, and you could literally drag an ocean liner across the track and wipe your enemies out and stuff like that. It was really good. And then they had loads of little sort of mini games where you had to... There was an attack helicopter, and you'd get like little beacons ping up on the floor. And then once they started flashing as you got near to them, it launched missiles at you, and you had to sort of drift around the missile mm. pattern. It was really good. And I think it's on both PlayStation Plus, the, the retro catalogue, and it's on the retro catalogue for Game Pass. Jay in the editing room here. Unfortunately, at the time of this episode's publication, Split Second is no longer on Game Pass and will set you back just under 9 quid on the Microsoft Store. It was given away as part of the Games with Gold program, but if you didn't download it at the time you've missed out, sorry. Um, it's oh, definitely well worth that. a look. Um, it's always good fun. Never even heard of it, so yeah, I'll, I'll give it because that again, it's got a gimmick, hasn't it? So it yeah, it appeals in the fact that you can. I mean, it's like oh, I suppose Burnout. I mean, it's not a proper racing game, but I do enjoy Burnout just because you can absolutely destroy other people, and the the aim's almost not to get to the finish line first. It's just yeah. to stop everyone else get to the finish line, full stop, smashing into them and taking them out. So yeah, I suppose that's. Again, it's a gimmick. If, if it's a straight-up racing game, I'm not particularly interested. But if it's got a fun gimmick, I will give it a chance. And yeah, Burnout, I completely forgot about that. Again, surprised none of those made the list, because Burnout 3 is a masterpiece. Yeah, and with um, w- sorry, with regards to um, like older driving games, 
before I'm assuming the driving companies got heavily involved in the development mm. of the games, you could actually just wreck each other's cars and it was nice to see the damage on the bodywork and stuff like that and you could literally flip a car. But now I think the car companies are so obsessed with you not being able to see a single scratch on their product. You can't damage them. You can drive full force into a lamppost and your car just sort of bounces off and you get no sort of scratch damage. They don't explode or anything like that. And it's like, it's taking a bit of the soul out of the game, really. Unless you're talking like the the dirt rally ones, which are just perpetually covered in muck anyway. So I feel like in Forza there's damage, but it's superficial. Do you know what I mean? If somebody sideswipes you, you'll get the sideswipes on the car. But yeah, to your point, you can't make them explode. Or really, if you hit a wall in a car in real life, the way you do in a lot of these driving games, that would be game over. Whereas on most of them, yeah. you just bounce off a little bit and carry on. Yeah, I remember playing Porsche Challenge an awful lot because it was one of the only three games I had for PlayStation when I first got it. So I played that, and it's that is that is an awful game. Uh, people say now, oh, it's not that bad. It's not. It is. All the cars are the same. It doesn't matter what car you pick. It doesn't matter what character you pick. They all handle because they're all Porsche Boxsters. They don't vary, so they all handle exactly the same. And it, <laughs> I suppose, that does make it a little bit more skillful that you're all on a level playing field. But yeah, I'd, I've not been back to it since probably about 1998 or whenever it was that I finally started getting other games and and bulking out my library because there's no point. But yeah, that one took a lot of time off me, but just because it was there and I had the opportunity to play it. I'm just trying to think. If there's any others that are like Burnout, because yeah, that was a big one. I really enjoyed Burnout when... I know they're still technically going. I don't think they've done one since Paradise, have they? That no. Certainly not one that's been worth having. But 3 for me was the peak. Burnout 3 just had everything perfectly. And then they tried to go a bit too much, I think, with Paradise. It just... Because it was a full island, wasn't it, that you went around and it just... One of the main modes for me was the one where you try and cause as big a pile-up as you can, and I don't think they had that in Paradise. So that, that ruined it a little bit for me. But yeah, they're great games. I think we were saying the, the most notable thing about Sega Rally is that it was potentially Sonic's first appearance in a game. Yeah, because he's the little fragrance <laughs> cardboard thing that's hanging down off the rearview mirror in the uh, cab. Um, I mean, you could select different ones, so you got like different company logos and stuff like that. And mm. Sonic the Hedgehog, that was, I think, that pretty sure that's the first time he appears in any sort of media, really. I feel like there's this really obscure fact that the first ever game he appeared in was like a British Atari game, and oh. it was clearly a ripoff. They found his character model and used it in this game illegally. But technically, I think that class is his first yeah. video game appearance. But yeah, certainly in like a legal regard, I think this is the first time he ever appeared in a Sega-licensed game. And and yeah, it's strange, isn't it, that they got that character model and they're just like, oh, chuck it in that, and then maybe we'll make a game out of it at some point later. Weird that they chose that, of all things, to compete with Mario. Like, yeah. Oh, do you remember the thing that we had dangling off the rearview mirror in Sega Rally? Let's use that as the new mascot for for uh, Sega. Really? This blonde-haired, blue-eyed child with Popeye fists on the Master System just isn't cutting it. Where, where's that little hedgehog we had dangling in Sega Rally? Let's try that one. <laughs> but to their credit, it worked, so we've got to give Good. them that. Um, so yeah, that's far more time than Sega Rally deserves. So <laughs> let's give it a score, because... I mean, they've got it at 67. They've 
barely put any information in the book about it. They've had to pad out the little section of the book it's got with a fact about how many games in the top 100 are made by Sega in the racing category. So even even they don't seem to be giving it much credence. I mean, it's not going to be high for me. It's going to be like, I think 50 is going to be my max on that. Well, I was I was thinking, okay, so it's got 67 in there. I'm halving it. <laughs> I mean, what's the lowest on our list at the minute? See the Pac-Man or Tetris? I think it's... I'm sure it's Tetris. Tetris. Let me have a quick look, because... Well, while you're doing that, the only other driving game I can think of that I really enjoyed was Driver San Francisco. I've got... Is that the one where you sort of play it from the person that's behind? Yeah, so essentially you're experiencing an out-of-body... You're having an out-of-body experience while you're in a coma, and you can literally possess random drivers... And then go around completing missions. You can literally like possess a learner driver and driver into a tree and then depossess her and go and possess someone else if you really want to ruin someone's day. But yeah, it was just a really good game. It wasn't a driving game as such. It was it was a weird combination of things, but it worked. And the really cool bit about it was because it was set in a full replica of um San Francisco. If you depossessed someone and then floated right up and you just carried on floating up and up, you could actually hear the heart rate monitor because you were still in a coma. So it was one of those little Easter egg-y sort of things that was just, you'd only know if you tr- were p- about in the game, basically. I remember seeing a somebody doing a playthrough or a little review of it on YouTube, and I ended up buying it off eBay just based on how quirky and different it sounded. Because, yeah, I remember one of the missions, you're chasing, you're controlling the car that's chasing someone that you're talking, you're having a conversation with or something. So you can see them in front and you know where they're going to go because you can hear them saying it and you have to sort of tail them. So it is, it, yeah, like you say, it's it's not a racing game. I suppose it's a driving simulator, but with a massive yeah. difference. So, yeah, and it's, I'm surprised it didn't do better than it did because of how different it was. Because the Driver series sort of started on a high and then gradually nosedived, didn't it? I mean, Driver 3, there's all the, there's a lot of controversy around Driver 3, I think. From what I remember, I can't remember the finer points of it, but I'm sure if you type Driver 3 scandal into YouTube, there'll be hundreds of documentaries about it, which we won't get into now. But yeah, the fact that they still managed to make games after that is is pretty impressive. I'm sure it was like review fixing or deleting all the negative comments about it on message boards or something like that. And yeah, but they went on and that that might be what damaged the reputation to the point that San Francisco didn't do well. Yeah, probably. But yeah, it's definitely worth it. I haven't actually played it yet because it's a 360 disc and I don't know if the Series X play those. No. So I'm going to have to dig out my old 360 if I want to play that one. But I think it's one of those games that might appreciating value as more people find out about it as well so if you are considering it go and grab a copy now because i think it will get harder and harder to find but yeah the lowest on our list is tetris and it's 35 i'm I'm pitching for 36 i would enjoy playing sega rally more than i would enjoy playing tetris i will say that i would enjoy playing no not much more would i enjoy playing pac-man more than sega rally Probably. Yep. There is a little bit more to it and it's it's quicker, so at least I'd be done with it quicker. Once once the ghost killed me, I can turn it back off again if I was forced to play it. So yeah. Yeah, I'll go thirty six, that'll do for me. <laughs> right, so yes. we'll give that one a thirty six. Still not the lowest on the list. I mean, that is personal preference. There's probably people out there that absolutely love Sega Rally and fair play if if it's your kind of game. 
and you grew up on it in the arcades and the ports and stuff, yeah, completely fair enough. But we never had an affinity with it, and I don't think it was particularly revolutionary, other than it being that thing that drew people into the arcades. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't. I don't think many people are going to moan we've given it that low. But if you are going to moan, don't. We appreciate your opinion, so appreciate ours as well. And we get we put it higher than Tetris, so take oh. heed from that. Right. Shall Shall we get on some? I say good games. It depends good which game. one you want. <laughs> it depends which one you want to look at first. So I'll leave that choice up to you. Shall we start? Shall we end on a high? Yes, I was going to say we may as well start chronologically because we uh, it makes more sense because then you can see the progression of how Super, uh, Mario Kart started. Yeah, Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart for the SNES, uh, which inexplicably is number twelve on this list. I, I'll let you go first. I think the most interesting thing and the best thing about Super Mario Kart is the backstory to it. So how it came about and how the Nintendo team actually got behind it. So essentially, they launched the SNES or the Super Famicom, as it was called over in uh, Japan. And it came out with two games. So they had Super Mario World and they had F-Zero. And F-Zero was literally light years ahead of its time in terms of driving games and how fast it could be because it was a zero g car and the tracks were huge and sprawling and it actually gave you that sense of velocity because it had massive long stretches of road with no barriers and you could literally just put put your finger down on the a button and you could just tear ass off and shigeru miyamoto who was like creative director at the time said that he'd he'd had a massive investment in creating designing and marketing the snes or the super famicom and he wanted it to be a family console and he wanted people to have family console in the back of the head when they saw it Um, and he wanted his designers to have it's a family console in the back of their head while they were designing games for it and he he was gutted that f-zero wasn't and Super Mario World wasn't technically a two-player game. So he wanted to design F-Zero, but for two players. And they tried doing it, and because of how fast it was and how long the tracks were, it couldn't generate the tracks quick enough in both players' screens, or both players' sides of the screen. So you ended up with one or both glitching out. So it's like, right, okay, so we need to slow it down, we need to shrink the tracks down, and then... F-Zero just sort of didn't work in that sort of confined environment. Mm. You couldn't get the velocity, you couldn't get the cornering, right, because the cars were too fast and the tracks were too small. So they're like, oh, right, okay, so we need to find another way of doing it. It can't be sort of like zero-G cars. And one of the other directors from another team said, oh, have you thought about go trying go-karting? And he was like, oh, right, okay. So they went out. One of the other designers suggested actually going on a karting day because it was becoming super popular in Japan in like theme parks and stuff like that. Hmm. And Shigeru just turned around and went, no, it's not happening, we're not doing it. And then after another couple of asks, <laughs> he went, oh, go on then, we'll go see what it's about. And they all had, like, they took a full team out and had just an entire day go-karting, enjoyed it that much, came back, started redesigning everything, built the carts, and then they were like, oh, it looks like shit, because you can't tell who's winning because it's just people sat in carts. The, the only distinction was the overalls that they were wearing, and it was yeah. SNES graphics, so it looked like crap. 
Um, and he was like, oh, well, we need something that's recognisable and marketable. So they were like, oh, well, got the perfect thing. Mario. He's recognisable. He's marketable. And they, so they just stuck the Mario assets on it and made Mario Kart from that. Well, yeah. It's sort of come full circle in one of the things you were saying then, because the whole thing about like couch co-op these days is they don't do it because the games that they're trying to build it into are too advanced for it to be split screen. So the fact that that's where Mario Kart started, because they had to take that aspect away, and now in a lot of big games you see that's the reason it's all online, because it's easier for them to do it online for a start, and sodos that enjoy sitting next to each other and playing it on, on a split screen, because it's just easier. But yeah, that is, is really interesting. I don't, from like here. <laughs> I don't like Mario Kart at all. I never have. I mean, I don't like racing games anyway, we've established. This one is a gimmicky racing game, but it just looks horrible. That's the the first thing for me is how horrible it looks. There's some gorgeous SNES games. Like Super Mario World looks fantastic because they worked within the limitations of what the system could do, made it look all cartoony, it flows, it feels nice, it looks beautiful. I just think they tried to do too much with Mario Kart. They've tried to make it too too much for the console to handle in terms of how the backgrounds and the mode 7 and stuff and it just makes me feel ill when I play it because the backgrounds are swinging around all over the place the the carts don't look like they're part of the world they're racing in it looks like they're just slapped on top moving around even the tracks don't particularly look like the part of the rest of the world that they're set in they sort of pop out as well and then you've got the weird choice of instead of having coins on the track that are there and you physically pick them up they're sort of glued into the floor and you drive over them to collect them which i assume was a graphical issue in in terms of processing power but it just looks weird and i just i don't like that either and yeah everything about it i've just never ever got on with that game i just i can't play it for more than about five minutes without wanting to stop because i feel a bit nauseous and i'm just bored of it and I don't know if this probably does play a part. So a complete tangent of a story uh, that nearly ruined video gaming for me. So I'll I'll uh, I'll explain why. So in oh God, how old am I? So been probably about fourteen, fifteen. I um, fortunately contracted viral meningitis. We didn't know that's what it was at the time. But one day I I woke up and I just couldn't regulate my temperature. I was freezing cold, shivering. I I remember vividly being sat with my back on a radiator shivering with a blanket over me like literally skin touching burning hot radiator and I was still freezing and the doctor came out I was like get him away from that like if his temperature gets much higher he's going to be in serious trouble next thing there's an ambulance I'm being rushed into hospital I'm in my own little private room I was in there for I think about a week I remember about 10 minutes of the whole experience being in 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 there maybe half an hour I remember somebody coming to take my blood and telling me not to look which I didn't do, and then saying it's all done, and then when I turned around, it wasn't all done, and there was blood shooting out the back of my hand. So that was that was a fun memory. And then the other enduring memory of it is that they brought me a SNES to play on. Like they they have like consoles on little trolleys, and they had Playstations, yeah, Playstations, Mega Drives. I think they had Dreamcasts and and stuff, and then they had um. SNES and NES and I, they were like what do you want thinking I'd want a PlayStation I'm like oh, I've got one of them at home and can can I have a SNES and like yeah no problem and they brought it in and there must have been about 50 games 
And I was just over the moon because I was like, I've not got one of these at home. I'm just going to play all these games. And I played some of them and really enjoyed it. But I remember putting Mario Kart in and I think whatever I was on must have worn off because they started lowering the dosage of whatever painkillers and stuff I was on. And I think it must have worn off while I was playing that game. And I got like the most intense migraine and started throwing up while I was halfway through playing that game. So I think it's probably been tarnished by that. But I didn't like it beforehand. I distinctly remember not liking it beforehand anyway. But I think that has just made it so much worse for me that, yeah, as soon as I see it now, I just feel a bit like I feel a bit green and like I can't play this. So it's just it is not one for me at all. And I should enjoy it based on the other Mario Kart games. But I don't see how that game came out and it turned into the franchise it is today. Yeah, especially considering it is the best selling Super Famicom game of all time. So in Japan, it was the it is still the best selling on their SNES, essentially. Um, but you're not the only one that was suffering with bouts of motion sickness with it. The develop- development team all ended up having to play it in sort of fits and starts because they were having just <laughs> spontaneous vomiting reactions to it. And they also, because they uh, stapled on the little battle mode, didn't they? Where mm. you've got three balloons and you could drive around like a sort of skate park, essentially, with like bridges and you could like launch um, Mario assets at them in terms of weapons, and you could knock people's balloons off them. When they originally designed that, it didn't have walls, oh. so it was just it was just a flat plane with no bridges, no architecture or anything, and you could just free roam in it. And apparently, that caused the worst cases of motion sickness because there was no point of reference. Yeah, the, yeah, it was like grey floor, and then just sort of like a navy blue area around it, mm. and it was yeah. Apparently, the de- the devs did not take kindly to it at all, um, and they were originally going to drop it because of uh, size or content on the, the cartridge. Mm. Essentially, was running low, and Shigeru Miyamoto actually went, "Oh no, no, this needs to be in it. This is family friendly fun." Well, it's not really, is it? Not unless you've got a concrete <laughs> inner ear. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do like the battle mode more than the racing mode for two reasons. One, it's not racing, so I don't have to contend with that. But two, the the sort of motion sickness aspect of it is negated by the fact you can slow yourself down and yeah. and stop and take stock of where you are and turn and there are bits in it, especially when you sort of do a drift into a one eighty to double back on yourself and the whole world spins round you and yeah, there's bits like that, but I'd do. i I'd rather play the battle mode 100% than, than do the racing in it. But that's, I suppose, not saying much. But that, that at least is the case. So, uh, yeah, I prefer the battle mode. I wonder if it sold so well in Japan because it was the first two-player thing that Nintendo had done, the first true two-player. So people were looking past the fact they didn't actually love the racing aspect of it it was more here's a game that we can play with the kids or the kids can play with each other and there's not going to be arguments about who gets to go first and all that i wonder if that influenced the sales numbers more than likely and in fact it released to practically no fanfare because mm. normally with stuff like this even back then you had like hype for a game so there was always hype around the release of super nintendo uh yeah super mario world yeah that hype built up, and then 
there was nothing with Mario Kart at all. And then it released and it just floored people. Um, Because they gave, uh, like, games magazines gave F Zero stupidly high scores, the 35 out of 40, which I always thought was like a really weird thing to do. Do 50, (laughs) don't do 40, it's just an odd number. But yeah, they were giving it like mid to high 30s out of 40. And everyone sort of saw Mario Kart coming and they were like, oh, it just looks like a cheap ripoff. It's not as fast as F Zero. They had the, the Sonic mentality of got to go fast. Yeah. Um, and then they released Super Mario Kart and it just knocked F Zero off its pedestal. It really did. It was like 38s, 39s, perfect scores. And there's there's no real consensus as to why. Because, no, like I you say, it's. It makes you queasy, but it probably is because it's one of the first games that ever brings in sort of a competitive mode that wasn't a one-on-one fighter. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it brings people in, I suppose. Like you say, it brings families together, even if it was just two-player, to, to at least have... Can you get four-player on it? No, I think it's just two. It's just two on that one. I mean, but yeah, even then, if you've got two kids and they're always arguing about whose turn it is stick Mario Kart on and they can both play at once and you've solved your problem. So I suppose that must have been an aspect of it, but no, I don't get it. I don't like F Zero again doesn't make me feel as queasy because like you say, it's long straight stretches with the odd drifting bend. It's not like Mario Kart is sharp, twisty tracks that double back on themselves and stuff, isn't it? So you're constantly turning around corners and the whole world swinging around you and it's just it is a hard play, just because of it's it's the the time of the graphics, isn't it? The backgrounds are flat, they're not three yeah. D, so it's the flat world suddenly spinning, and you don't know why, and and it, it's hard to explain. But yeah, you go and play that game for ten minutes, and tell me that you don't need a break because it it is so difficult to play, for, especially for long stretches, which isn't an issue in the later games, but that one and. I think the only the other notable thing is, isn't it the only game that Donkey Kong Junior's been in? Yes, yeah, and that again, there was another reason behind that because they were going to put Donkey Kong in. The only character that they couldn't work out straight away was Cooper Trooper. So they'd put everyone else in. They were like, "Oh, we've got to have Mario, Luigi, because they're the faces of the franchise. Peach is the next obvious. Then Bowser. Then Toad because he's Peach's helper, and then the." Then they sort of did put Donkey Kong in, and they were like, oh, he's not really very recognisable because he's just a big brown blob. Um, And they were like, oh, well, if we put Donkey Kong Jr. in, he's got the little vest and the baseball cap. No, I think just a white T-shirt, isn't it? It's like, is it a white T-shirt with like a red symbol on it or something like that? Yeah, something like that. From what I remember. And then they were like, oh, well, we've got seven characters, um, but we need eight. And they were like, oh. Don't know how to put in it, really. And they were genuinely thinking of coming up with a new character solely for that. And they were like, oh, no, no, we need... But then they were talking about putting in another sort of hero character alongside Mm. Mario, Peach, uh, Luigi sort of thing. Like, oh, no, and we need an even split of the good guys and the bad guys. And they ended up going for the most popular and common Mario enemy, which was the Koopa Trooper. I don't know if we mentioned this in the Donkey Kong episode, but it's just triggered my, my memory there. So apparently in the first Donkey Kong game, it was meant to be Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. instead of Diddy. Right. And for, I think for two reasons they scrapped it. One was because 
I think they were struggling with the sprite to make it look different enough from DK. And I think the other reason is, chronologically, isn't Donkey Kong Jr. Donkey Kong's dad? Yeah. Technically, so it didn't make any sense either. So they ended up scrapping it and, and they invented a completely new like Kong character to be his sidekick. So yeah, oh, yeah. I thought that was a, an interesting one that I found out the other day. So yeah, we could have had Donkey Kong. And, then, and I think they might have played on him a little bit to do whatever it's called. It's not called Baby Kong. We called it Baby Kong last time. I can't remember its actual name, but that little thing in the blue romper that's in the third <laughs> one. Because yeah. he looks a lot like Donkey Kong Jr., doesn't he? Just a bit younger, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm so and everything. <laughs> Kitty Kong? Oh, it might be Kitty Kong. Oh, no, he is Baby Kong. Is he? Yeah. Oh, don't know why I'm getting confused with them. Oh, maybe it was the ones in... Um, I think we got the names of a couple of the ones in Donkey Kong 64 wrong. Because ah. it's not thingy in, in Donkey Kong 64. I said that it was Dixie, and it isn't. It's like a cousin or something. Uh, and then one of the other ones is has got like a completely different name to what I called it. But I don't know. I, surely people aren't getting upset about that. Cause no one likes that game anyway. So we'll <laughs> skirt over that fact. But once again, we've we've branched off. So back to Mario Kart. I, I don't think there's much more to be said about Super Mario Kart, is there? It's... No, it's a thing. not really. It, it's it's definitely a thing. It's got to get credit for the fact that it kicked the series off. Yep. And the fact you've just said it's the best-selling Super Famicom game ever in Japan. So some people obviously like it, it's just not us. I'm assuming this is the sort of Kickstarter for all sort of spin-off games involving Mario. Because after this you get the Mario Paint... The one that teaches you to type, that sort of thing, and then you get Mario parties and stuff like that. So I think if it hadn't been a success, or as big a success as it was, they they probably might have held back a bit on plastering Mario's face on all the other spin-off games. Yeah, true. Yeah, because it was the first to to do that. Like, like you said, out of necessity more than anything. It wasn't ever planned to be that then by the sounds yeah. of it, but it worked and then they went, oh, what other sports and, and weird stuff can we stick these characters in that barely have any relation to it? I mean, there, we're, we're going to, hopefully, if we've got time, come on to all the other spin-offs. But I'll just get it off my chest while while we're here and I don't forget. The Olympics ones. Yeah. They're the one they're the ones that I have the biggest problem with. Not because of the type of game. I love them types of game, like track and field and stuff when I was younger. I used to love them kinds of games. So the actual game I've got no issue with. It's the fact that you've got a hundred meter dash that puts Sonic against anyone else in the Mario yeah. franchise and it's in some way competitive. <laughs> like the whole point of him is that he's fast. Do they even in game explain it? Like, because nope. it wouldn't have been a difficult thing to in-game explain, would it? They could have just said like Robotnik and Bowser had come up with these anklets that made people slower, or and it would have been explained straight away. But there's just no explanation. It's just you meant to suspend your everything you've ever heard about Sonic and Mario and go, yeah, that little dumpy fat plumber could definitely keep up with Sonic in a hundred meter dash. It's just bizarre. <laughs> and then they made like the how many games have they made now in the Olympics ones? Like three or four, at least. I was going to say it's three or four, because they did the Winter Olympics ones as well, didn't they? 
And they're all the bloody same. Yeah. I, th- I think I think the last one, didn't it add something where you could play as retro characters, which was kind of a nice little twist. I think they put some sort of storyline in where the villains had done something so that they turned them into retro Mario and retro Sonic. Right. So that's at least the try-in to not just release exactly the same game with a different year on it and goof people into buying it. But yeah, I, I, I don't have an issue with the gameplay. I do actually enjoy those games as a party game. It's just, yeah, there's the certain aspects of it like that you'd expect. <laughs> and it, it applies to all the events, doesn't it? Like I can't remember swimming. How is how is Bowser going to swim faster than, than like, I don't know, like Peach or someone? Because he <laughs> weighs an absolute ton. He's not aerodynamic <laughs> in the slightest. And yet we still expect him to compete. Yeah, and then you had stuff that was a bit like um, shot put as well, didn't you? Or javelin. Yeah. And you've got Donkey Kong taking part in it. It was built like the thing that smashed through the side of the brick shit house versus a Cooper Trooper or a Dry Bones. And it's like, <laughs> how is this in any way fair? I mean, if they, they should have programmed... I know it would have took a load of work, but they should have programmed something in. So, like, I don't know, like the Cooper Trooper pulls out a bazooka or something and puts a shot put in that just to just to be competitive and it's allowed. But yeah, that always bothered me. But back to let's do a score for for Super Mario Kart. I mean, if it was on personal preference, we'd be looking around the sixties for me. But taking into account all the other stuff we've just mentioned, how it was the first, how it sold so well, we can't ignore that so many other people do like it. I suppose. I mean, we did with Tetris and Pac-Man, but we've <laughs> we've, we've matured since then. Have we? That, that that episode was purely for the shock value, and now we've, we've lured people in. We're being a little bit more fair. Let's have a look. I, I would never put it above Sonic 1, and that's at 72. No. I'd never put it above Sonic Gold, uh, Pokemon Gold, Silver, Crystal. That's at 71. Would you put it above Castlevania? I don't yes. think I would. Would you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't. I mean, poor old Ico down there on sixty-one. He's getting an absolute oh. hammering. I feel, I feel like we were a bit unfair to that one. Yeah, so do I. Because I I got more enjoyment out of Ico than I've got out of Super Mario Kart. <laughs> well, we could stick it at sixty, which would put it on par with Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy. Oh, but that's a bit unfair as well. Who too? <laughs> <laughs> Mario Kart. Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy never made me bilious. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. Uh... And they were revolutionary in their own way for those for those home computers. To be fair, I was genuinely expecting you to go, it made me sick, 50. So <laughs> I, I'll go with 60. I'll go with 60. Put it on a par. Give it a 60. I'm in the pitch black here. I can't even see my notepad. I think it's around there somewhere, 60. Right, moving on. We've got quite a lot of content out of two games that I did not expect us to get anything out of. So let's uh, let's crack on with Super Mario sixty four, which, if my eyes can focus, was nineteen ninety six for the N sixty four. So I think things had come a long way by this point, hadn't they? I mean, there's no is there is, there's no Super Mario Kart in between those two, is there? No, no, they are essentially one and two. So it's a big old jump that. I mean, considering that now, well, I say it's a big old jump. When we come to discuss the other games in the franchise, it's nothing on oh, uh, yeah. on on eight to potentially nine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
like four years when you've got a franchise that sold the best any games ever sold is a bit surprising. Yeah, particularly when you consider how well Mario 1 did and followed by Mario 2 and how well that did and how quick the turnaround between those games were. And even between 1 and Super Mario World isn't a massive gap. Mm. And they needed the advancement in technology. Maybe that was it. They needed the advancement in technology before they could get anything else out of the series. I'm amazed they didn't just draw some new backgrounds and recolor the track and add a few more characters in though and chuck out Super Mario Kart 2 just as a little bit of a cash in because these days you know for a fact that's what they'd do. Right, we've got this game, recolor that one so it looks a bit like a I don't know, lava instead of grass and put a few palm trees in the background of that one and call it a jungle level and make one that's blue and we'll say it's underwater. And we've got a couple of characters here we haven't used, that weird dinosaur thing that spits fire up in the air, put him in it, and just just cash in completely. So, yeah, fair play to him for not doing that. I don't know the reason why, but like you say, technological advancement. By the time you get to Mario 64, it's essentially the game we know now, just a lot less refined. There's not been that many advancements. I mean, it looks nicer, it handles slightly better, and there's more power-ups and that kind of thing. But in terms of the basic game, it is what it is now, what it was in 1996. Yeah, um, the whole shortcut mechanic, the drifting was on point in uh, Mario Kart 64. Obviously, all the pickups are now are now three-dimensional and they hover above the track rather than being part of it. The ramps are actually ramps rather than just like, blobs on the uh, track <laughs> that you're driving around and the because they introduced interactable objects and characters in super mario kart but in mario kart 64 the full 3d rendered characters like the cat weird cactus things hmm. that are just in a tall tower that just sort of wobble onto the track um in the sand dunes level and yeah it's, it's essentially the game we know now and it is, like you say, you'd expect the drift mechanic to be something that they've improved over time, but it was always there, wasn't it? That's one of the things that they got right first time. And if anything, they've sort of mucked it up in a couple of games compared to what it was in the original. Uh, I think in 8, they've got it back to what it needs to be. But yeah, it's, it, it was there in the first one, and it was it was... Does it give you a boost in the first one, the same as it does in the new ones, or is it literally just a corner better? No, it's it's a slight boost. They originally put it in as a jump. So right. it was just supposed to be... You could jump the cart, and Shigeru Miyamoto said, it, it's not a Mario game unless you can jump. And they were like, well, that's great, but it don't make any f***ing sense. You're in a cart. <laughs> when have you been in a cart and been able to jump? So that was when they turned it into a drift mechanic instead so you got that little hop um which they managed to convince him was a jump (laughs) so yeah it's a good one and the tracks i think they're still implementing some of the tracks from the first one now yeah in in eight so they were the track design and everything was was again really good even for a first game but i think that is somewhere they've They've really gone all out on, isn't it, the track design. You look at some of the track designs as they progress. There's been some terrible ones, yeah. but for the most part, they've been really good. And 
Like in in Mario Kart Eight, some of them are brilliant. So one of my favourites in Eight is the like the airport one, yeah, where you drive through the airport and then up into the sky and stuff. And it's just really imaginative that some of the stuff they come up with and how they put the obstacles in and and the weapons they keep coming up with. And was the blue shell in the first one? No. No, so there's no blue shell to take you out just as you're about to cross the finish line, which is nice. And I think that, um, with you saying you're not quite sure why it was so popular, I think that may probably play into it as well, because the power-ups add a sort of an element of random chance to it as well. Mm. And just because you've played Mario Kart for years doesn't necessarily mean you're better at it than yeah. someone that's just started playing because you start winning and you start streaking away. One, they've put rubber band physics into it, so all the computer characters naturally catch up. And if you're inexperienced in it and it's, you know, first couple of times, you are guaranteed to get bullet bills, piranha plants, chain chomps, blue shells, while the leaders of the pack are sort of like stuck with green shells that they can't do anything with unless they are particularly yeah. skilled in throwing it backwards. Um, so I think that's probably helped. Yeah, that'll co- that'll cost them in the end anyway because they'll <laughs> yeah. do a lap and run over their own trap. Yeah, I like I like Mario Kart. It, it's what it's become anyway. I don't I couldn't play the SNES one, but all the ones since the SNES I've enjoyed in varying degrees. I think sixty four was a great one. I think eight is brilliant. Seven I wasn't particularly enamoured with. I don't really know what it was. There was just something about seven. Double Dash I really like. I think a lot of people don't like that one, but I really like Double Dash because it they tried to change it a bit. They tried to make it a bit bit different. So for those who haven't played it, Double Dash, you pick two characters instead of one, don't you? And then one of them's in the little sidecar and you get separate weapons and stuff, don't you? So you can yeah. essentially pick up two power-ups. And is there like double team moves you can do to sort of control where you drift and stuff? something yeah. to do with that if i remember right there rightly. is yeah if you get if you like double tap the drift as you're drifting you get sort of like an extra speed boost and you can do a little special move and i think double dash is where they introduced the if you you could do little stunts mm. so while you were like mid jump sort of thing you could do a stunt and then when you landed you got a speed boost and they added yeah. the glider as well mm. i yeah. think think so i think you might be right yeah they do all blur into one a bit don't they yeah they do but that is because they're all pretty good i think yeah. the thinking of worst courses the one that always springs to mind for me is the one where you're going along a load of rope bridges and there's a huge yoshi egg spinning about in yeah. the middle of it because it's like a maze it almost feels like that level's been designed as a battle arena and then they've gone oh we need an extra track course and they've gone, oh, I'll throw that one in, because you can sort of navigate it as a track. But there's loads of different routes and stuff, isn't there? So, Yeah. Um, the the only ones in the series that I wasn't massively keen on was the DS one, but I think yeah. that was limitations of the hardware. That that was not designed for it. It struggled to play Mario, Kart, uh, Mario 64 as a port, the original DS. Mm. Um, and I didn't like the Game Boy Advance one very much. Again, because it's practically Super Mario Kart, isn't it? Just on a, yeah. a handheld. It goes back to the Mode 7 and the weird poppy-out riders and tracks and all that business. So, yeah, I can see why 
that one wouldn't potentially definitely doesn't appeal to me because then you're also playing it on a dark little screen, hunched <laughs> over it, squinting at it. It's just the worst of every aspect of those games. <laughs> 64, I don't think 64 is the best in the series. I'm surprised that's the one of the 3D ones that's made the list. Apparently, according to the little blurb for Super Mario, uh, Super Mario Kart, there were three in the top 150. But it doesn't tell you what the third one is that missed the cut in the book. So, speculation, I'd probably say Double Dash. Because I don't think 8 would have been out when this came out. The Wii one might have been, though. Oh, yeah, with the steering wheels. The ones that yeah. came with the steering wheels. Yeah, Mario Kart Wii, probably. Yeah, that makes more sense. Which, again, was another good one. And I think yeah, it did play to its strengths with the motion control and the wheel. It was really fun to play it. Um, you can sort of do that with the Joy Cons, can't you? But it's not. It doesn't feel as responsive to me as it did with the Wiimote because I think it's the length of the controller. It gives you a bit more purchase, and it was able to pick up on the turns a bit better. So yeah, yeah, that was a good one, the Wii one. But let's give this one a score because I think we've covered. We we probably could say a million more things about Super Mario Kart, but I I think I'd like to go and play them all and then I could probably give a better verdict on all the series. Maybe we'll maybe we'll dig them all out and rank them or something at some point if we run out of ideas for content. <laughs> um, I'd say definitely higher than Super Mario Kart. I think that's... Well, <laughs> I think that's difficult. unavoidable. But, I don't know, high 60s, low 70s? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was like... It wasn't even my favourite game on the N64. No, no, it's... It, I think what it has going for it is the party aspect of it. Yeah. But then you consider that also on the N64, a couple of games we're going to talk about in a minute, you've got Smash Brothers, you've got Mario Party. That appeal to a wider audience, I think, especially Mario Party. Because, okay, your Smash Brothers is more towards your fans of one-on-one fighters or brawlers. Your Mario Kart is more definitely towards racing, people who like racing, but it seems to appeal to more because it's simple. I think it's one of those that's easy to grasp but difficult to master, I suppose would be the best way to put Mario Kart. But then you've got Mario Party, which just it's a board game on a console with little mini games, and that just appeals to most people, I think. So, yeah, it was already competing with the other team-based franchises or, or party game franchises that they put out. I think there was a... Was there a Strikers or a Baseball or a Golf or something as well that came out for N64 as well? Yeah, I think it was Strikers. And I think... Oh, no, Strikers was GameCube, sorry. So it must have been... I'm sure there was a Mario Golf on N64. More than likely. So the, there was all these other... They, they'd almost cannibalize their own audience again to use that phrase and split it amongst all these different party game sportsy titles but mario kart seems to be the enduring one that seems to be the one they keep pushing out and well they haven't for 10 years but they've they've forced a load of content into the previous one just to keep people spending money i suppose but it it does it's one of the better ones, isn't it? We'll, we'll talk about some of the other Mario spin-offs when we've scored this, but I'd say Mario Kart is one of the better ones. I'd push for it to get, I don't know, like a 71, 
which would put it on par with Pokemon Gold, Silver and Crystal, which I do prefer as a game. But if I've got mates round, obviously we'd rather play Mario Kart, so I think you've got yeah. to give it that. No, I think that's I think that's fair. And before before we move on to something else, Nintendo, for the love of God, can you please stop milking Mario Kart 8? <laughs> it was released because we had a look, and it was released in 2014 on the Wii U, and honestly, if it was a cow, its little tiny teats would have fallen off and gone <laughs> black. You've been milking it for that long. It is ridiculous. Just do Mario Kart 9 already. I don't know. It's a double-edged sword, that one, isn't it? Because you, other games get stick for just sticking out a new version of it for the sake of it. So FIFA every year and some of the wrestling games and all that get a lot of abuse because people say, oh, it's exactly the same game. You've just updated the rosters, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like Mario Kart needs... They could do more with it now because it is essentially a, a Wii U game, isn't it? The Even yeah. the Switch version is the Wii U version. They've not put anything new into it, I don't think. So I feel like they could stick a new version out with potentially a new mechanic or make it look a bit more polished. I don't know where they're finding new characters from because they've released that many DLC packs of characters. But it, just some new weapons would be nice. I'm sick of the ones in, in Mario Kart 8 now. It has surprised me given how the roster for Smash Brothers exploded and how they mm. included Link... In it was the Wii U version, or was it the Switch version of Mario? Uh, Mario he's Kart he's in both, I think. Yeah, I think he's in both because you can change. It changes all the coins to rupees and stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. On certain I, courses, I'm pretty sure there are other Nintendo franchises you could reach out into to bring other characters and other bikes and other maps into mm. Mario Kart, and it'd end all right. It'd end up being a bit of a bad version of Mario Kart because you'd end up with essentially Super Nintendo Kart by the yeah. end of it once you'd finished bringing everybody in but that's what Nintendo does it works for Smash Brothers why not do it yeah why not make it Super Nintendo Kart and have a load of other franchises in there it wouldn't hurt anything little squirtle riding along and even if you wanted to double team it so if you wanted to go back to like double dash standards where you could like pair up characters a little squirtle with a Koopa Trooper Charizard with Bowser. You could even introduce Pokemon as... So you can't have them as your main racer, but they're like an attachment to your vehicle yeah. almost. You know, you build in your vehicle. You could have sidecar passenger and it's just a list of Pokemon that would fit in a sidecar, something like that. But yeah, I think that could work. I think you're right. I think if they did that, there's loads of games that would fit into that. I'm I'm actually surprised they didn't do something when the film released to put a load of Donkey Kong characters into it, because in the yeah. film, it's their area, isn't it, where all the kart racing takes place, and they've got all the karts. So I'm surprised they didn't do a film tie-in where you got Cranky, uh, maybe a, a different DK with, like, I don't know, Seth Rogen sound effects instead of <laughs> the standard one. Uh, and, yeah, and did, like, a, a load more Donkey Kong characters. Because the... There's quite a few Donkey Kong characters, isn't there? I know a lot of them don't get used that much. But if you really wanted to dig into it, when you play the games as the like the the one who saves your game, the one who sells you equipment, there's all these characters that are unknown characters, but you could easily put them in and people would pay money for it, I think. Yeah, and I know the usual kickback to stuff like this is, oh, it's it's called Super Mario Kart. 
Yeah, it's been called cart for the last three generations, and they've had bikes in it. Yeah, so, so <laughs> yeah. you can't you can't be precious about the titling um, if you're <laughs> willing to bend the rules because oh well, it they're not carts, they shouldn't be in it. it, it one or both. Here's a pitch for you: Super Nintendo Vehicles, the game, <laughs> and just put everyone in it, all types of vehicles. I mean, you could have people riding Pokemon instead of being in a cart, flying yep. on a Charizard. I mean, it didn't work for Sonic R, but you never know. Nintendo might handle it better. And there is a Pokemon, a couple of Pokemon that are like bikes now. Oh, there you go then. There you go. The the Pokemon franchise is a bit like a the village <laughs> well, bike, yeah. but. <laughs> Let's not get into that one. Uh, we've actually run out of time for Bloody talking hell. about the other ones. So we didn't see this coming. We had loads of other stuff planned. So I think what we will do is we will at some point record a special on all the other different types of Mario spin-offs rather than talk about it now. So apologies if you were looking forward to hearing that after we've teased it for the last 45 minutes. But we will put that in a separate video, a uh, separate podcast sorry and probably a patreon exclusive so if you really want to listen to it before everyone else get yourself over to patreon.com slash bucketlistgamers get yourself subscribed to anything bucket kicker tier and above and you'll get that as soon as it comes out i know i've said this for about three weeks now but we will have some bonus content out there for our patrons very soon i'm part way through editing one of them now so we'll get that on as quickly as i can and that brings me perfectly into saying thank you to our lovely patrons. So, in the couple of coins tier, I forgot what it was called then, we have got Harry Flynn this week. In the Bucket Kickers tier, we've got the Sweaty Llama and Dino Dini. And in the <laughs> Avatarnish tier, we've got Atropos. So, thank you again to all you guys. We really appreciate it. We hope, we're in, hope you're enjoying it. If I did put a post up a while back, but uh, we, we did have a few responses to it, actually, so I've got them saved down. If you want to ask us any questions, we're going to do a Q&A episode at some point. So if you've got any questions for us, no matter what they are, we'll try and answer them. Certain ones we might not. I'll, I'll put that caveat in there, depending on what you ask. But yeah, get your questions to us. Drop them over on Facebook uh, or email them to us. It's j at bucketlessgamers.com. And we will put a question and answer session together as soon as we can find someone to host it. I'll, uh, I'll give Austin a ring. He, he boosts the ratings. We'll get him back on to, to host. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything else to be said on Mario Kart or Sega Rally. There wasn't much to be said on Sega Rally to start with, so there definitely isn't much to say on that one. So I think, given that we're only just on the hour mark, we will say that's goodbye from me. And that's goodbye from me.